That's all we got through three verses last week? All right. Well, let's start in verse four then. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our, from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And so if you were here last week, we broke down chapter 1, um, and it looked like this. The first three verses are the introduction, if you will, to the book of Revelation. Verses 4 through 8, we see, are the greeting from John. And which John is this, by the way? Is this John the Baptist? John the, John the Apostle. So we see John's greeting here in verses 4 through 8, and then in verses 9 through 20, we're going to see that John has a meeting, a special meeting with Jesus. And so as we, let me draw your attention to verse 4, John identifies himself, he picks up his quill, if you will, and now he writes, and he's, we're told who he's writing to, what does it say there? The original recipients of this book, of this letter, if you will. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. And if you look over at verse 11, um, in verse 11, mine is in red writing. Um, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, he's telling John, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. And we're told where, which are in Asia. And here they are, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos. Thyatira, Sardis, uh, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So Jesus identifies, gives the name of those specific churches that the revelation was intended to go to first. And sometimes people say, well, why seven? Weren't there more churches than seven churches at this time? We know there was a church at Corinth. We know there was a church at Rome, in Philippi, all these different areas. So why seven? Well, remember with me, in the Bible, seven is the number of completion or fullness is the idea. And so the picture that we're getting from Jesus is that this letter is for the entire church throughout the church age um, the, this book, rather, is intended for everyone, and the seven letters are intended for all of us that belong to the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, um, these churches, these seven churches, were unique 
Um, they were literal churches in, notice it says in Asia. That's not China. We're talking about the western um, part of modern-day Turkey. Sometimes in the back of our Bibles we have maps, and you can see kind of where those churches are laid out. Um, and it's interesting, as Jesus gives these, I call them report cards or progress reports, Jesus gives to each church. Um, if you flip over with me real quick, Jesus ends the same way. Flip over to chapter 2. He ends each letter or report card the same exact way. Um, in chapter 2, uh, it says in verse 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the, what does your Bible say? Churches. And then he says the same thing again in verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the, what does your Bible say? To the, to the churches. And so that's important to take note of. So with each one of those churches that he's writing to, he says the same exact thing. In other words, with each of these churches, we find every um, particular problem that is important to Jesus all of the issues and all of the answers that apply to the church, Jesus gives all of them. Aren't you glad he does that? All the issues, all the answers that apply to all of us, we find in every one of these letters. And we also find, please, this is so important, he finds what, he, we find out what pleases him with each one. And we are to have an ear to hear what the Spirit Notice that what the Spirit says, that's present tense. In other words, what the Spirit is saying, is the Spirit still speaking? Is the Spirit still speaking this morning? He is. What the Spirit says or is saying today to the churches, did you notice it's plural, churches? That's all of the churches. And so that's for us, the church of every age, for everybody, for every individual as well, too. Because notice it says, he who has an ear. He who has an ear. Does a church have a big ear outside the building? I'm, I'm being facetious here. No, individuals have an ear. He who has an ear to hear. Jesus said that also in the Gospels, didn't he? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so the Spirit is still speaking. This morning is, do you have an ear to hear? Do you have an ear to hear what he is saying? It's written to the churches, those that are in the churches. Um, are you part of the church this morning? If you're part of the church, then this is for you. It has application for all of our lives. And so, and by the way, we're going to find out next week, or if we get to it, Jesus is standing. He is right in the middle of all of these churches. If you look again, if you look at these churches lined up on a Bible map, it forms a rough circle. And Jesus is right in the center of all of those churches. And you know what it tells me? It tells me, number one, that Jesus cares about the church. Listen, the church is a big deal to Jesus. It's a big deal. Our gathering together, it is a big deal to the Lord. He wants us to gather. In fact, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves correct? As is the manner of some, as we see the day approaching, the, the, as we see the Lord is coming closer and closer, getting nearer and nearer to us, it is imminent. 
It's going to happen suddenly. We should not forsake assembling together, but we should assemble even more together to minister and love one another and look to the Lord and to seek his face. Jesus values his church. And so he told John to write these to these seven churches in Asia. And then look at the greeting, the common greeting. Did Paul ever use this greeting, by the way? Did Paul ever use this greeting? He did, didn't he? Grace to you and peace, and we're going to see here as we work our way through, grace to you and peace from the entire Trinity, the Father, and then we're going to see the Holy Spirit, and then the Son. So what is grace? Do you guys like grace? What is grace? Favor. It's God's favor. It's his kindness. It's his goodness towards us. Do we deserve it? Do we earn it? No way. Is it, is it by our performance? How well we perform? Absolutely not. His goodness, his kindness lavished upon us freely, undeservedly. Anybody glad for that, by the way? I, saw, I, I like this one acrostic grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a great way to remember it, too. God's riches, because he's made us wealthy, hasn't he? Spiritually wealthy at the expense of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His loving gifts freely given to those who don't earn it or deserve it. And then peace. What is peace? Rest. How about rest? How's that? Rest. You're chill. We have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. We're no longer at war with God. And then we experience the peace of God, right, as we are connected to Jesus Christ. The, the Bible says that uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's interesting, that word uh, peace in the Greek is Irene or, or Irene, and it speaks of wholeness. It speaks of joining or tying together into a whole. And isn't that what happens? We're, we're all scattered all over the place, right? I'm, I'm, I'm tugged in this direction. I'm going in that direction. I'm scattered. Man, my mind's racing after a, after a thousand things. I've lost my peace. And does God want us to have peace? To be at rest, he does. To be, to be calm, right? That's a fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. What's next? Love, joy, peace. It's something that should be growing and flowing in our lives. And so it's the Lord who does this for us. Who The, the Bible says in Isaiah 26.3 that God gives perfect peace to the mind that is stayed upon him. Do you guys like peace? And so grace and peace... Notice where it comes from. Look what it says to me. The whole Trinity. And by the way, when, when John was writing this to the seven churches, those churches were under heavy persecution. Their lives were on the line. Their lives were on the line. And hearing this, hearing the revelation, and then John greeting them in this way. And by the way, where's John writing from? From prison. He's actually exiled on a prison island. And he's saying to them, grace and peace. Listen, grace and peace are available to anyone that is going through difficulty. 
that is going through tribulation with a small t, going through pressure and compression and hard times, grace and peace are available, still available and accessible to you and to me. Because where, where do they come from? Look what it says. From him who is and who was and who is to come. That speaks of our heavenly father. The phrase mentioned here refers to his eternal nature. He exists past, present, and future. Four times in Revelation this phrase will be used. And by the way, he is outside of time, correct? We're in the the time-space continuum, but God is outside of time. And so he rules past, present, future. He sees everything. He sees the entire parade, doesn't he? All we see, you guys ever seen the Rose Bowl Parade? Everybody, anybody ever watched that? I used to watch it when I was a kid. We actually got to go one time to Pasadena to watch it. And we were on the street corner watching all the floats come by. But all you really get to see is that the one band or the one float that comes by. But if you're in a balloon from up above, what do you see? You see the whole thing. Do you know the Lord sees the whole thing? He sees the whole picture. And, and he is, God intends to give us He has given us the entire picture with Revelation. We know how it ends, don't we now? We know where it begins in Genesis. We know where it ends in Revelation. And so our everlasting Father knows the future. He wants us to know the future as well. And so he gives us the revelation. And so, and isn't that a source of comfort this morning? Is that a source of peace to you this morning to know how it ends? Isn't that a source of peace? And it's by his grace also. And so grace and peace from the Father. And then number two, look what it says at the end of verse four. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. We'll see this phrase used a number of times also in Revelation. And it's kind of like, what in the world? How can that be a reference to the Holy Spirit. Well, you may remember last week I mentioned that the Old Testament is referenced to in this book. You guys remember how many times? Five, listen, five, at least 550 times in 400 plus verses of Revelation, there's 550 references back to the Old Testament. You know what that tells us? We should know our Old Testament, shouldn't we? And so I believe this is a reference to, if you're taking notes, I'm going to go back and read it. It's in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to read it. You You can let your fingers do the walking. You guys remember that? Let your fingers do the walking. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't use those things anymore. Phone books, right? Some of your kids are like, what's a phone book, man? That big, giant, half-white, half-yellow thing. That was like the saying, let your fingers do the walking through. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's cool, man. Times have changed, Mike. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of Jesus, the Messiah... There shall come forth a rod, or a stalk, or a branch of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, that's number one, the Spirit of wisdom 
and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And so this speaks of the sevenfold ministry, if you will, or the sevenfold, uh, it's a sevenfold description or nature of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit we find here in Isaiah 11, 2. I think it's beautiful, don't you? The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And so remember, remember the number of seven speaks of what again? Completion, right? And so, or fullness. So it speaks of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And don't we receive grace from the Holy Spirit? Do we receive grace from the Holy Spirit? Does he give us what we don't deserve? Think about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Do you guys remember that? Isn't that good to know? The Holy Spirit will be our teacher, showing us things to come. He's also our comforter. One of the main names that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He brings peace to our hearts. He brings grace and peace. Aren't you glad for grace and peace? From the Father and from the Holy Spirit. And then look what it says, grace and peace. From who? From Jesus Christ, verse 5. Grace and peace from Jesus Christ. What do we learn about Jesus in this verse? Three things. Look what it says. Number one. John gives a threefold description of who Jesus is. Number one, he is the faithful what? Faithful witness. What does a witness do? A witness testifies. Jesus is the faithful witness. Do you know that there is someone that's dependable? There is someone that is reliable, that is faithful. It is Jesus. He is the dependable one that gives reliable, honest testimony. Um, Jesus was the faithful witness while here on earth. Jesus bore witness of the Father. I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus Christ revealed the Father to us. You want to know what God looks like, sounds like, his nature, his character? All you have to do is look right at Jesus. Jesus is the faithful, genuine representative. And so everything Jesus says is truth. Aren't you glad for that? He never lies. He's never a phony. He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Does that bring you peace that Jesus speaks truth? It should. A lot of lies out there. Aren't there a lot of lies out there right now? We get, we get bombarded with lies. Isn't it good to know that someone will tell you the truth? Jesus will always tell you the truth. He is full of grace and truth. In fact, he said to Pilate, remember what Pilate said? Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Check this out. Check it out. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Are you of the truth this morning? Then you're going to hear the voice of Jesus. Do you belong to him? And so, so glorious, all who are of the truth hear him. He is the Prince of Peace, our gracious and glorious Lord Jesus. Notice the second uh, thing we learn about Jesus. He is the firstborn from the dead. What in the world does that mean? The firstborn from the dead. 
Well, that word firstborn in the Greek is protokos, which means priority, preeminence, or superiority. In other words, Jesus was the first to rise from the dead, never to die again. Because Jesus raised a bunch of people, didn't he? Jairus' daughter, right? Lazarus, did they die again, though? They sure did, but Jesus rose again from the dead, never to die again. He's the first to receive a resurrection body as well. And this should bring us peace this morning, shouldn't it? Jesus said, because I live, so you too shall live. To be absent from the body is to be present with who? With the Lord. That, listen, this morning, that is the hope that we have in the face of death, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was the first fruits of many more that would follow. And that should bring us peace this morning because, listen, all of us, the statistics are still the same. Are they 10 out of 10 people? Did they die? Has it changed? Every one of us, you're going to stop sucking air at some point. Or we get raptured, which will be way better, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But listen... You and I now have an answer in the face of death because of Jesus Christ, because of what he's done for us. Again, let me, let me remind you his words. He said, because I live, so you too will live also. He said that to his committed followers. And so that should bring us peace this morning. And then look at the third thing that John mentions, the ruler over the king's of the earth. Jesus is the one who reigns over all the kings of the earth. That speaks of his sovereignty. We're going to learn this on Wednesday night. Psalm 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. And we're going to learn about the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. But this should bring us peace, shouldn't it? Is Jesus in control? Is Jesus in control this morning? Is Putin in control? Is Biden in control? Pelosi in control? G, P, G, whatever his name, G, X, I, what's his name? Is he in control, the China dude, the guy in China? Is he in control? Because we act like it, don't we? We act like men are in control. But Jesus is the ruler over the king's of the earth. He reigns both now and forever. And the fullness, listen, the fullness of that is coming because he's coming. Jesus is the king of kings that will, and that will be a reality when he comes and sets up his kingdom on earth for 1,000 years. The millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, at Christmas time we, we like to send these verses to one another, don't we? From Isaiah Chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Right? Don't we like to send that to one? Like, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who's that speaking of, by the way? Of Jesus. And then listen, we don't get any further. Usually it says... Uh, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, 
even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Listen, that day's coming when Jesus will rule and reign on this earth. We have demonstrated we cannot rule ourselves. No matter what style of government, no matter what type of leadership we throw in there, we've demonstrated we cannot rule ourselves. All we have to do is look, look at our nation and where we are. Look where our wisdom has gotten us. Look where our reigning has gotten us. Look around the world at communist nations. Look where their wisdom has gotten them and where their rule and reign has gotten them. But that's all going to change because God has also highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on the earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that is going to be a reality. And it's like John, John writes these things, grace and peace from the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, and then he just goes off on Jesus, talking about Jesus, this is so beautiful. And then look what he does in verse five through six at the end here. To him, speaking of Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. It's almost like John just goes off. <laughs> and he does, and what does he do? He just breaks out in spontaneous praise and adoration for Jesus, for who Jesus is and the work that he has done. Some people call this a doxology. You guys ever heard of a doxology? It's a speech about, about, about praise to God or glory to God is the idea, or an expression of praise to God. That's what he does here to him, speaking of Jesus. To him be all the glory, the dominion. But we look at this and look at, John talks about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Look what it says to me. To him who loved us, number one. John's still speaking about Jesus. The greatness and the grace of our Lord and Savior. Do you know that Jesus loves you this morning? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You guys know that? You know it's so sweet when, when uh, we go to the Alzheimer's unit and we do services and to the assisted living when we go and do services, and you start singing that song, you know what? It's like everybody knows that song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I mean, it's like all of a sudden, boom, they're alive. Do you know, listen, do you know this morning Jesus loves you? You don't have to doubt. John reminds us, that Jesus loved us by this, 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he gave his life for us. By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life. Greater, man, greater, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. How did he communicate his love? By giving his life for you and for me. And it's interesting, you study this a little, you dig a little deeper, that word loved, it, it, it's a verb tense that communicates Jesus is the one who keeps on loving us. Not just loved, oh, he loved us one time. He keeps on loving us. In fact, Paul picked up on that in Romans 8 when he said, there, I'm persuaded there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
He loves us freely, undeservedly. He loves you if you've been good or bad. He loves you if you've been to church or you haven't been to church. If you've been doing your devotionals or you haven't been doing your devotionals. If you haven't said a prayer besides rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. He loves you. It's unconditional. That's agape love. He's unconditionally committed to you and I, imperfect people. That's his love. His love is amazing. And his love should compel us and constrain us. We love him because he first loved us. To say, oh God, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love that is continual towards me, no matter what. And not only that, listen, this morning, we don't deserve it. Right? He didn't look down and say, oh, that Mikey is so cute. I think I'm going to love him. God demonstrated his own love towards us that when we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says in Jeremiah 31.3, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. How long is everlasting? What if I blow it? What if I do something wrong? Is he still going to love you? Do you love your kids? Do you guys love your kids? What if they blow it? He's like, you're no longer a Robertson out of here. <laughs> I'm done. Sadly, our love is, is jacked up, isn't it? But not his. It's constant. It's consistent. And then look what it says. Are you secure in his love this morning? We need to be. John's reminding us. Not only did he love us, he... What else did he do? He washed us from our sins by his blood. To, to wash means to cleanse. It means to, to be fully washed completely. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus completely cleanses us from all our sins. In fact, when we take communion, we're, we're saying, we're... We're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes, we're told in Corinthians. We're proclaiming, yes, Lord, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you are coming for me. Thank you for loving me, giving your life for me. And the third component of the new covenant is God says, your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Is that good news this morning? Can I get an amen up in here? I mean, it's like... Wow, because of Jesus, because of his shed blood. And when it talks about his shed blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There's no remission of sins. You're still in your sins. And if you don't put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins, Jesus said. If you don't believe that I am, you're going to die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am who I say I am. And so he washed us. That's our greatest need is the forgiveness of sins. We broke the law, and Jesus paid the penalty for us. Do you know whatever you do, Jesus paid for it? Whatever you do, Jesus paid for it. That's amazing. Jesus washed our dirty lives and our dirty hearts by his sacrifice, by what he did for us. And notice what it says, by his blood. That's the means of our complete forgiveness, the giving of his life. He suffered in our place. He suffered in my place. In fact, we consider that this morning. It's by his grace, isn't it? Grace and peace from Jesus Christ. Do we deserve that? Do we earn that? 
Was it your good performance? It's by grace you've been saved, through faith, not of works. We can't boast in what we did. We got, all we can do is boast in Jesus Christ and what he has done. And listen this morning, again, grace and peace from Jesus Christ. Sometimes we lose our peace because we're beat up over our past. Can I remind you, precious brother or sister, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk no longer after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. The guilt, the shame, the stain of our sin completely washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate, when we gather, we celebrate him, we honor him, we thank him, we look to him in all things that he would get the glory. In fact, notice what else. But wait, there's more. He's done more? He's made us what? He has made us, notice past tense, he has made us what? Kings and priests to his God and Father. Oh! <gasps> You know some people that get hung up on like British royalty? Maybe that's you. You like, you like watching what's going on over there? Prince Charles. Remember, everybody, like Prince Diana, that was like the big thing. Oh, what's Prince Diana doing now? What about Prince Andrew? Oh, man, they're royalty. Do you know you're royalty this morning? People should be checking out your life. <laughs> Reading on tabloids. <laughs> You shouldn't be standing. I mean, doesn't that happen? You're standing in the market. You're, someone's writing a check in front of you because people still write checks. And you're forced to read the junk. You know what I'm talking about? Star, inquir- inquiring minds want to know or whatever it is. The Bible says we're living epistles known and read by all. You're royalty this morning. He loved us. He saved us. He anointed us. He's made us royalty. King speaks of a position of leadership, a position of ruling and reigning. Can I just say this morning, maybe you're not feeling like it, but you are royalty this morning. From God's position, or from his viewpoint, again, in the blimp, overlooking the parade, from his viewpoint perspective, it's a done deal. Kind of like, remember when David got anointed? Who was still on the throne? Saul was. It was just a matter of time before it was recognized that David would be the king. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 2, 3, and 5, Jesus says that his committed followers will be ruling and reigning with him during the millennial kingdom. For that thousand years, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I can't wait. Glorious. Anointed, yet not ruling just yet. And that's by God's grace, isn't it? Do we deserve it? to be made kings, royalty. Hey, some of us, some of you guys, you got like killer retirement pr- programs, retirement plans. But can I encourage us this morning, this should be our retirement plan. Is eternity part of your thinking? If eternity is part of your thinking, then it'll radically transform your life. It'll change your life. Have you thought about how close you are to eternity? When's the last time you gave that some thought? I, it should impact us.
to make our lives count, with the time we have left, to invest in what is eternal, to invest in the life to come. We're also priests to God and the Father. We, he, Jesus has made us, so he loved us, washed us gloriously, and he's made us royalty. But notice we also have a ministry, don't we? A priestly ministry. We have access to God. Remember, remember in the Old Testament, what did priests do? Think about what the priests did in the Old Testament. The priests represented God to the people, and they represented the people to God. Right? They would pray for the people, intercede for the people, offer up worship and sacrifice. They would also do Bible study and, and minister to the people as well. Everywhere they went, remember they had the cool anointing oil too on them? Everywhere they went, they had that smell on them when they would leave God's house. And the Lord says, he's made you and I priests. And by the way, that is a reality right now because Peter talks about it. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. First Peter are we almost out of time? I can't believe it. Get another three verses done? Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 2. Coming to him, coming to Jesus as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy, what does your Bible say? Holy priesthood. Why? Why are we a holy priesthood? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And then in verse 9 of that same chapter, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. If you've got a King Jimmy, it says what, peculiar? You're some peculiar people. So true, isn't it? His own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So listen, we have this ministry right now. Jesus has ordained you. In fact, Jesus said to his committed followers, if you're taking notes this morning, in John chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. God wants to use our lives to bear fruit to his glory. Paul reminds us when he wrote to Timothy, or actually Titus also, that your calling is a holy calling. It is a sacred calling. Jesus is the one who made you and I kings and priests. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, can you flip forward with me? This is a song we will be singing. This would be a good song to know so when you get there and when one of the angels cues it up, we don't look like a bunch of fools. <laughs> oh, what's that one again? And there'll be none of this when we get there. We got to sing that song again. Oh. 
Because isn't that what we do now? Oh, that's a, that's a 7-Eleven song. Seven words, 11 times. I hear that too. Look at some of the songs that we're going to sing, man. For eternity, holy, holy, holy. They're not complaining in heaven because the worship's not about us. And they sang a new song. Listen, there's only one group of people that can sing this song, by the way. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Why is he worthy? For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And look what it says. And have made us kings and priests to our God. Oh, and by the way, and we shall reign on thee. And by the way, this is the church in heaven before the tribulation. You know what that means? We need to be, get, we need to be taken out of here before the tribulation comes. Beautiful passage. Can I just point out a couple things? God is equal opportunity. Did you guys notice that? Out of every... Every tribe except for the one that Mike comes from, those Irishmen. Does it say that? How much is every? Every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. That's got it all. God is equal opportunity. Whatever background, nationality, it doesn't matter. Jesus makes his followers kings and priests. Every one of us, every believer, every believer is royalty. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that this morning? Because sometimes we think there's like these, these classes. In the, in the, there's no classes in the church. Every one of us, kings and priests to God, with access to God, part of a family. That's grace, isn't it? Jesus shares his ministry with us now, and he will share the ministry and his kingdom in the future with us as well. Isn't that a great privilege? Is that a great privilege, you guys? How about, the, how about him sharing his ministry right with us right now? Is that a great privilege? Can, can I just say this morning that with great privilege comes great what? Responsibility. What should my response be to his amazing grace? This morning. I think we should be like Jesus. Remember what? John said earlier about him in verse 5 that he is the faithful witness. Has Jesus called us all to be witnesses? Acts chapter 1. We're to be his witnesses, to testify of him, that he is risen, he's alive, that he's saved us, what he's done to save us. To be, don't we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? We bear his name. We are called to be his representatives. Wherever we go, we are his priests. We represent God to people and people to God. That's your calling. That's my calling. That's a high calling. It's a sacred calling. And it's something that we are to be faithful with. People come to know Jesus or what Jesus is like and what Christianity is all about by looking at your life and hearing what comes out of you and out of me. 
Again, are we to be faithful witnesses? We are. Why would you be ashamed of someone who rescued your life? Why would you be ashamed to share about the one that saved you and rescued you? The one who's forgiven you, washed you of all your sins. We have good news to share. Not a whole lot of good news out there, gang. And here's the beautiful part, is that Jesus said that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon you to be his witnesses wherever he leads our feet. You know what that means? We don't have to do it in our own strength. We can say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, take control. I want rivers of living water to flow from my innermost being, Lord. Jesus said, you fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the spirit to those who ask? We say, Father, Come to his divine gas station and say, fill her up, Lord. I haven't been your witness. I've been a flake. I've been a phony. What's the Lord going to do? I mean, look, he filled his people in the book of Acts. He gave them great boldness. The spiritual gifts in operation. As they surrendered and said, Lord, we need you. We can't be your witnesses apart from you. Fill us afresh. And the Bible tells us that in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, in which is a waste. You're you're wasting your life, your time, your talents, your treasures. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. And watch what God will do with your life. But that's between you and him. You can can say, amen, hallelujah, I'm going to ask the Lord today to fill me afresh. Or you can keep going down the same trail you're going down. How's that working out for you? Not too bueno. It's time to make an adjustment and say, I'm going to make my life count while I have the time, while I'm still sucking air, before the Lord comes back. I'm going to invest in what truly matters. Because the Lord has truly given us a fresh start, hasn't he? He's given us brand new mercies this morning that we might bring him glory and honor to proclaim praises to him. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word again this morning. So powerful, so necessary, so needed.